Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. I want to continue and finish, actually, our series called The Walking Wounded. Uh, I hope it's been uh, something that's ministered to you. I know for me, uh, it's, it's been enlightening, it's been encouraging, and it's been inspiring, and uh, I've enjoyed it. And I, again, like I said, I trust that uh, this has been the same for you. But today, I want to talk about value and how we measure our value and our worth and our importance uh, in this culture and in this day, and how important that is with regard to how we run our race. And so I want to read Romans chapter 12 for a moment here, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to get into uh, the word. And so Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 1 to 6 says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. For this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace, and this is the part I want you to highlight, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, here's the pattern, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so it is with Christ, that though we are many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We all, I want you to highlight this, we all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for everyone that is watching this, whether it's right now in this moment or maybe later on in the week. And I, I pray today that, Holy Spirit, you would minister. I pray that your presence has already been felt inside their homes. God, I pray that you would continue to be faithful and continue to do the work that only you can do inside of our lives. And Lord, you know the many things that they're facing and they're wrestling with. And, and so, God, would you be with them? And Lord, as we finish up this series on the walking wounded, let, let this be another message today that can help us, that can encourage us, that Holy Spirit, that you can use to continue the transformation inside of our lives. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you. We welcome you in this moment. Would you give us ears to hear what God is saying? Would you whisper that so strongly and that, God, we would, uh, that with obedience, we would walk out in faithfulness what you've called us to. And may we have the courage and the confidence that, God, whatever we put our steps to, if it's according to your word, God, something amazing is going to happen. And so, Holy Spirit, again, we thank you for being here. Touch our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, you know, I, I want, uh, when I look at Romans chapter 12, I, I think about the word rethink. And when I think about rethink, you know, reimagining and, and the idea of do not conform to the pattern of this world that Paul talks about here and, you know, being transformed by the renewing of our minds, I, I, I think about reimagining or rethinking how we do life, right? And I think about one of my favorite TV shows, Shark Tank. 
Now, I've mentioned this before to our community church family, uh, and, and I don't know if you've ever watched it, but if you haven't, you need to, because it is fascinating. It's so cool to watch people who come up with a different way of doing a simple task that we've done a certain way for generations, or uh, they've reinvented the way to do something, and they've, they've reimagined a pattern and, and seen it differently, and then, of course, you know, that's the idea, that's the premise, right? The idea that you're building a better mousetrap. And, and I love, that's one of the phrases that you'll hear from some of the Shark Tanks when they're, you know, listening to these offers and, uh, or these products and they're giving an offer if they think they want to jump in on it with, uh, with regard to money and business. And, but, but it's amazing to watch people rethink how we do life. And if there's a message that I want to, to say and speak to, you know, in our last installment of The Walking Wounded, it's this. I think our faith journey requires us to rethink, to reimagine how we do life, because we are shifting, like Paul says, from the pattern of this world to the pattern of God, how God envisions it. And that's his message to the church in Rome. Because see, when I see this, I see a pattern that was common, very common in, in that culture. And I think an argument could be made very easily that it's still prominent in our own world, in our own culture and society today. And it's this, it's they're all trying to establish status. That's why he says, hey, listen, for the grace that's been given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Because they were looking at their gifts and they're looking at their skill set and they're using it to determine their status. And when they determine their status, it in, in turn, it determines their value or their importance and their worth. And you and I both know, man, that internally, man, you know, that, that clicks somewhere inside of us. We begin to associate our value and our worth with our accomplishments or what people think of us or our status. And this is not the first time. Like I said, you know, Paul's addressed this before because two years before he wrote this word, you know, to, to the church in Rome, he wrote this same idea to the church in Corinth because they were using not just giftings and abilities like the church in Rome was saying, hey, I've got this ability and I'm more important because of it. The church in Corinth was taking spiritual gifts and they were saying, hey, listen, because I've got this gift and you don't, I'm more important to you. And it was creating the sense of rivalry and rift and, and it was... It was damaging the unity of the body of Christ. And Paul's like, in both cases, then and in this moment with the church in Rome, he's like, stop it. You're doing what the pattern of this world is, and that's not your pattern. And he calls them and challenges them to rethink it. I love how, you know, J.B. Phillips put it, a scholar, he says this, don't let the world, he's, he's reinterpreting what Paul says. He says, do not let the world squeeze you into it's mold. And I've got to tell you, I think we need to rethink how we measure or feed our sense of value, our sense of worth, our sense of importance, because when you measure the wrong way, you're always going to come up short. Case in point, and I'm probably going to get in trouble for telling this story, uh, but you know, you know me, man, I like to live life on uh, the edge and, uh, but anyways, and right now, of course, probably sitting and watching this and going, oh, what is he going to say now? And she says this all the time. Uh, but I just, I say it anyways. It doesn't matter because it's really, really, it's a great illustration. I, honestly, a few weeks ago, Tor decided because Abby moved into a different room that we were going to, because we hadn't painted this room fully. Uh, we left it since we, we, since we had moved in. 
it was Madison's room originally, and so that's why, because she left and went on to Bible college, and, you know, we just, we didn't, we didn't, re, we didn't do much with it. So, of course, that she's in there now, we want to repaint it, and for one wall, she wanted to do wallpaper, and, and it's the wall that has windows on it, and it's a beautiful wall, it's a perfect spot for it. My wife's got an incredible eye. You, you see how I'm kind of buttering this up a little bit so that it kind of softens the, you know, the death stare I'm probably going to get right now in the next few minutes, but, but what I'm saying is, is that it was the perfect spot. And so she comes to me, she goes, how do you figure out the square footage of a wall? Because, you know, the wallpaper I want to order is coming in square feet, and I got to figure out how much I'm going to need. And of course, you know, you know me. I mean, being the renovation guru that I am, of course, I can figure that out. And so I go upstairs, and, you know, I start measuring out, and I figure it out. The, here's where the problem, and, and probably some of you guys are saying, the problem didn't start there, PC. The problem started when Cora asked you about square footage on a wall, and you're probably right. But anyways... What I'm saying is, I was looking at it going, yeah, okay, here's the square footage, but you're not going to need wallpaper for windows. So let's kind of figure out how much you really need. And so when I got it all done and I estimated, I said, oh, Cora, you're going to have plenty with the roll that you're going to buy. And she's like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely, man. No Listen, no worries. It's all good. And, uh, and famous last words, right? And so sure enough, so she orders it and it comes and she pulls out the roll and she looks at me and she's like, are you sure this is going to be enough? Because I don't think this is going to be enough, right? And, uh, and how many husbands know what I'm talking about? When your wife says, you know, statements like that, where she questions you, most likely she's right. But, and in this case, Cora was. Because we started putting the wallpaper on. And even though I, in my mind, had made enough room for, you know, uh, whether we had to cut some areas and whatever and, you know, cut a piece off in order to match it, whatever it was, we ended up not having enough. And sure enough, now we are waiting for more rolls of wallpaper to finish the job. And, uh, and obviously, you know what that does to an 11-year-old who doesn't get the room finished and completed like she thought. She just had a bit of a, a like, oh, come on, you know, kind of moment, right? But I digress. My point is, is that when you measure incorrectly, you will always come up short. And I wonder if in this day and age, in this world, in this culture, and I, and I mean it when I say this today, because I know you hear me say this a lot, this message speaks to me today as much as it's going to speak to anybody else, hopefully anyways, because I'm right here. I, I sometimes wrestle with establishing my sense of value and, and, and worth and importance, and it's because I know that I'm measuring it the wrong way. And maybe you're a little bit like me, and, and I think part of it is our culture that we live in, but in the world and the culture that we live in where it revolves around, you know, how many followers we have and how many friends do we have on Facebook or how many likes did I get on that picture or that comment that I made, that philosophical comment or that political comment or, you know, that, that, that quote that I put up, how many people liked it, how many retweets did I get from that thought that I put out in, you know, Twitterverse, you know, kind of a thing, like, you know, and, or, or we, we begin to look at what have I accomplished and, and what have I done and what do people say or think about me? In a world that is like that, I wonder, in fact, I don't wonder, I know, if that's what we're using to measure and establish our sense of value, worth, our importance, then we're conforming to the wrong pattern. We're measuring the wrong way and we're always going to fall short. Just like Paul was warning the Romans, he's like, guys, you're conforming to the wrong pattern and I need you with sober judgment, meaning sound thinking. I need you to evaluate this. 
and he points them back to God. God's perspective, God's way of determining our value and our worth and our importance is far different than the world and the culture in which we live. And I want to speak to that today because trust me, I get, I get there's nothing wrong with wanting to have, you know, affirmation as a dad, you know, as a pastor, as a speaker, when I go to do retreats or anything like that. Yeah, I want to know that I've done a good job and I, and it doesn't mean I don't want to excel in my, my gifting and to hone my skill. And, and, and it doesn't mean that I shouldn't get any kind of, you know, affirmation. I mean, listen, we all need it. We, we, we enjoy it. It does feed us in a good way. But if it's done, if it's the only thing that we measure our value and worth upon, there's a problem. I mean, Joyce Myers, I was watching a video this week. Joyce Myers kind of talks about this. In fact, she did talk about this in a video this week that I watched about, you know, value and worth and our identity in Christ. And, you know, she, she made a comment that was really, really cool. She said, listen, we may enjoy and sometimes even need the affirmations of others. But if I don't get it that day, I love this thought. She's like, if I don't get it that day, I don't want my world to fall apart. And that's the problem. Sometimes our world can fall apart if we don't have a, if we don't measure our sense of value and worth on the right, in the right way. It has the potential to spiral. It has the potential to lead us to places of deep hurt, depression, um, feeling unlovable in some cases, feeling like we're not capable, or even worse, just generally devaluing who we are and not looking at ourselves in a way that God sees us. We, it can fall apart. And if that's happening to you, because I know it's happened to me from time to time, then we're measuring against the wrong thing. And she said this, she goes on to say, and it won't, this won't happen to you when God is the foundation and, and what you measure your worth by. Him and him alone. Because man, when we see it his way, I, I'm going to tell you, it's like fuel. Where, where a wound can limit us and keep us from running our race, and this wound can do that, it can keep us from, uh, from succeeding and, and, but failing. But man, if we're doing this the way God, if we're evaluating based on what God sees and how God sees it, and that's what Paul's pointing to, he's going, that's not God's perspective. Status does not determine your value. Man, we'll run with fire. We'll run that race. We'll persevere, man. We'll push through, I promise you. But in order to get there, we've got to rethink. We've got to rethink. Here's the first thing that we need to rethink. We need to start rethinking this thought. And it's, it's been true for me in my heart. Listen to this. You don't need to strive for what you already possess. Seriously. In fact, right now, and, and I've used this verse that I'm about to read many times over the last couple of years that I've been at community. I'm going to say it again because I want to reinforce it. It's so important to me. I hope it speaks to you. But before I say it, I want you to turn to the person that's sitting beside you. It could be your kid, your spouse. Now, if it's your spouse, be very careful how you say this. And, uh, and if you don't have anybody in the room with you, just to your imaginary friend that's sitting beside you on the couch or the chair, or just picture somebody there and look at them and say, you're a piece of work. You are. You're a piece of work, not in a bad way, but a good way. You're a piece of artwork. When I read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, many of us have heard it in the way of the NIV or the Amplified, that we are God's workmanship or we are God's handiwork. But the New Living Translation puts it this way, and I love it. It says this, that we are God's masterpiece. Man, just picture that for a moment. You are a piece of artwork, not just work, artwork. 
artwork, by the way, that, that a price was significantly paid in order to purchase you. Just think about that. Because that price should speak to you how much God values the artwork. And he goes on to say that he has created us anew, meaning he's taken, he's taken us and he's taken us uh, from, from you know, what's been marred by sin, that, that artwork that God's created, and it's been marred by sin. And he says we're, he's, he's creating us anew in Christ Jesus, meaning he's restoring the artwork that you are, the masterpiece that you are so that you and I can do the good things that he planned a long time ago, long before you ever came into existence. God had a plan for you. He marked out a race for you to run. And you are valuable and you don't need to strive to establish your value and worth. You already possess it. You are valuable. The, the, the creator of the universe says you are valuable. And here's what's beauty. This is beautiful about this, by the way. This masterpiece, this incredible gift in God's mind, this value, this worth, is so unconditional. There's absolutely nothing you can do to undo it or to make it more true. You are just valuable. I had a scripture resonating this week in my heart and my spirit. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3, and it says this. This is his word through, through, the, through the prophet Jeremiah. He said, I've loved you with an everlasting love. You know that word everlasting means to have no time. There is no time limit. And you might say, well, yeah, but Pastor Craig, okay, that's a time limit thing. We're not talking about whether I do something that could, could devalue me in the eyes of God. Here's the problem. You need to understand the context. Jeremiah was speaking a word to those that were sitting in exile. And the people that were in exile were there because they had done some things against God. And yet even in that state, even in that condition, he still looked at them and said, I want you to know you're still loved. You're still valuable. I'll do anything for you. In fact, I'm going to continue to be faithful and I'm going to bring you out of this. Whoa. Man, that is so good. And I hope that resonates in your heart because here's the thing. The problem with striving, you know, uh, to, to garner, to measure our worth based on what we do or what people think or what culture or society says is valuable is that I promise you, and I've experienced this myself, we always come to a point where, where we just feel like it's not enough. Or we experience how inconsistent it can be. Why? Well, here's why. You're trying to measure up according to something that is based on or someone that's based on something that's broken and imperfect. And when something's broken and imperfect, it can never be accurate or consistent. Man, we got to rethink it. And you need to know today that, man, you are so valuable to God. And you don't have to strive for what you already possess. Here's another one today. God dropped this in my heart. Because when we're striving, when we're trying to get people to acknowledge our value, our worth, or our importance, we often find ourselves comparing ourselves. You know what I'm talking about, right? We see someone that maybe does the same thing that we do in the way of career or, you know, whatever it is, anything in life. And, and what we do is we find ourselves comparing ourselves to that person. And, and you know this. As soon as I say it, you're going to go, yeah, PC, I'm right there with you. Comparison is such a trap. 
And that trap will ensnare you and will pull you down quicker than you can believe. It's crazy how comparison, and here's the problem with comparison. Striving to see where we fit and amongst people, you know, and, and in this case, you know, for Paul, it's like it led them to arrogance, but sometimes it's not arrogance. It leads us to, again, not valuing ourselves with the worth that we deserve, that God's placed on our lives. The problem with comparison is when we're measuring ourselves against a model that's not us. That's, I mean that. And I'll go back to Ephesians chapter 2. You are God's masterpiece we are God's masterpiece it's not like God created one masterpiece and then like absolutely just duplicated it and you know what it's like you know when people buy artwork they want the original why because the original is so different than the copies God didn't make any copies just like your DNA you are unique you are a unique piece of art you are God's masterpiece and so when you try to measure the unique you your giftings your personality you know the things how you do things and 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 your your skill set whatever it is against another person that's different than you that's that's you no know, they they in their own right are unique of course you're always going to come up short of course it's always going to be different you know, I related this way. I was thinking about this. That's like, that's like taking a softball and, and, and trying to compare it to a basketball. And maybe the sports analogy is coming through because I'm missing sports right now. I'm missing some baseball with the Jays. I'm missing some basketball with the Raps. Go Raps. Hopefully they'll come back and finish off the season, win the championship again. You know, and I'm missing hockey and whatever. But I'll go, I digress. I go back to the sports analogy. Those, each of them are a ball but they're so different, right? If you've held a softball, it's, it's not the same size as a basketball. It's harder than a basketball. It doesn't bounce the same way as a basketball, but they're both a ball. And in their respective game, they are absolutely valuable. In fact, let me just say this, they're critical. Because you can't play basketball with a softball. And you can't play softball with a basketball. And here's what I'm trying to say. God has created you uniquely. And he has a unique race to run, that for you to run. And though we are all children of God, each of us are our own masterpiece designed for a different game at times but we're all one. That was the message of Paul. Paul's like, listen, all of you have giftings. All of you have giftings, except all of them are different, and God has given each of you different giftings. It's not the fact that you have a gifting that makes you valuable. It's the fact that God has given you some giftings, and he uses it a certain way, and that's what's valuable. So stop comparing yourself to other people because the truth is they're unique they're a masterpiece on their own built and wired to do what God's called them to do and if you keep comparing if you don't rethink this you're always going to feel like you fall short and trust me man if there was ever a season right now that I feel this way I feel like right now because as a communicator and all churches have gone online and I see guys that I know and I admire and man I hear them preaching and I'm like oh 
man, I don't think I can preach that way. And if I'm not careful, I can find the comparison thing pulling me right in, which is the last thing I want to speak to you before we go today. We've got to learn to stop listening to the critic. Do you know, we have two critics in our lives, two big critics. The biggest one is ourselves. I tell people all the time, man, you know, like don't talk to me on a Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon because I guarantee you if you have any comments as far as we could do this better, that better, I guarantee you by the time I get into my car, I've already criticized half of what I did. Oh, I could have done that. I should have done this. This would have been better. That would have been a better flow. Ask Cora. It's the funny, it, it's not the funniest thing because it can weigh me down if I'm not careful, again, being guarded. And, and counselors will tell you this that one of the biggest struggles to being content with your value and your worth is learning to not listen to that inner voice that tends to be critical and negative. It's that voice that sees what you're not getting, what you're not doing, and it reminds you and says, well, hey, listen, if you're not doing it that way, and these people think you should be doing this way, then you're not measuring up. And we begin to, to just hear the negative thoughts, and then we start believing them. The other critic is other people. Let's, let's be honest. There are people in our lives that criticize what we do or how we do it. And I'm not talking about, you know, constructive criticism. And I'm not talking about thoughts that would come from trusted sources. I'm talking about outside sources that people say, well, I don't like how you do this. We all have experienced that. And the one thing that I feel can damage our ability or, or hinder our ability to understand how God sees us and, is, and understand our true value and our true worth and our true importance is we got to stop listening to the critic. And the best way to stop listening to the critics in our lives is to ignore them. Just like Jesus. Just think about it for a moment. And I thought about this a few weeks ago when... Uh, you know, the Christian community, he was in an uproar because, you know, we weren't deemed essential like other businesses. And I thought to myself, why? Who cares? I, it doesn't matter to me. And, and this might be controversial to you. So if you have any complaints, you can email Jennifer at communitychurch.ca or Jonathan at communitychurch.ca. You know, any of those if you want. And, uh, but I'm not going to read it because it doesn't matter to me. But for me... I, I just looked at it going, who cares? What does it matter if the government says that I'm essential? Because their opinion of me doesn't mean that I'm not. And that's the problem with the critic. And, and that's the thing that Jesus ignored. Jesus, think about it. Look at the scripture. Did Jesus ever care or be concerned about or consumed with the opinions or the thoughts of anybody else? His critics People that say you should be doing this way. He absolutely, if he didn't, you know, sometimes he might have addressed it, but usually he didn't bother with it. He just walked away from it. He didn't care. It didn't change how he did ministry. He knew who he was. He knew what he was there to do. And no one's opinion can determine his value that he was to other people. And I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, PC, come on. That's Jesus. He's the son of God. He's God himself. Of course, he's going to walk in that kind of confidence. I mean, who wouldn't? Here's the thing, and I end with this. The thing is, is that we need to remember that we are being transformed to be like Jesus. And that means the Holy Spirit is transforming us to establish the character of Jesus, the ways of Jesus, and listen to this, the attitude and the mindset of Jesus. 
And counselors will tell you this. Pastors will tell you this. And people that have wrestled with value and worth will tell you this. If you're going to get beyond it, you've got to stop listening to the critic. Internally or externally. Just keep moving on. Because their opinion doesn't mean you're not valuable. And why? Because you already are valuable. And Ephesians chapter 2 says that. So my encouragement today is don't let that sense of value and, and, and worth and importance, if it's not healthy, don't let that weigh you down, man. Understand that you are valuable to God so that you can run the race that he's marked out for you. You are a masterpiece. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but instead, with sober judgment, look at the way and live according to the way and live confidently to the way God sees you and has spoken over you. You're valuable, you're worthy, you're important, and that's all that really matters. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.communitychurch.ca. Thank you.